to the Homemakers Club podcast. The Homemakers Club is a sisterhood of women who value the old-fashioned ways and traditions of making a house a home. As you listen in each week to conversation between myself and a fellow homemaker, it is my hope that you'll feel as though we are old friends and you're stopping by my home for a long-standing weekly tradition of sweet tea and sweet conversation. As good old friends do, we will celebrate the simplicities of ordinary days and come alongside one another to navigate the joys and hardships of homemaking. It is my prayer that when we say our goodbyes at the end of each episode, you leave with a heart that is enriched and filled with provision so that when you tie your apron strings each morning, you are joyfully ready to create a beautiful and fruitful life within your home. Grab a cup of tea and I'll meet you at the kitchen table. Hey everyone, welcome to the Homemakers Club podcast. My goodness, it feels so good to be back. I hope in the last few weeks with no new episodes here that you've had a moment to catch up on the past episodes. Anyways, it's just so good to be back and thank y'all for being here and the ongoing love and support you have of the Homemakers Club. This morning, I'm so delighted to be sitting again with my friend and the fairy godmother of homemaking, (laughs) Miss Sally Clarkson. Today, we're going to be discussing her new book. It's called Giving Your Words. It's a practical, beautiful, powerful, gentle guide for the life-giving power of a verbal home for family faith formation. It's so good, y'all. I'm halfway through it. There's been plenty of tears shed, lots of light given into my heart that I'm trying to put into my home, and I just can't wait for y'all to get your hands on it. I hope y'all put it as a must-read for yourselves as we cozy up for this long winter we're about to be headed into. Without further ado, Miss Sally, welcome. I'm always so glad to be with you. This has been really fun already, and we haven't even started. I know. We just got to talk a lot before we started. It's always such a pleasure. Thank you. How are you? How are you doing? Oh, what a complicated question that is. (laughs) You know, I think I'm so used to saying, you know, I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to be joyful. I, I mean, there are things that I have committed to that no matter how I am, I'm kind of like that. But it's been an interesting complex, challenging, difficult few weeks, but I think I'm okay. I think I'm centered and the Lord is doing some amazing things here in Oxford. So I'm going to focus on that. That's (laughs) wonderful. And you have some exciting events happening next week, the launch of your new book. I know. I'm real excited. It's kind of like a message grows inside of you and plants roots and then grows even more. And I, I really feel like so many people are so prescriptive in their parenting. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, did I get the right lessons? Did I say the right verse? Did I memorize the right poem? Am I reading the right biography or whatever? And I, I feel like people miss the organic life that we have through relationship in the same way that Jesus with, did with his disciples by giving our words, you know, life-giving words, messages, virtue, stories, validation, encouragement. And so Clay and I, it seems like all the time we're looking at our lives and saying, how can we even be more clear about what really transforms the lives of of our children? That was a very long answer. (laughs) That's good. But I actually think that this is beautifully timed with what you're going through right now. You said you're going through a little bit of a hard season. And while it says biblically, 
from the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. Mm-hmm. How do you tend to those words when you're going through a hard time? I was actually thinking about that yesterday. I've been, um, I think all people are constantly in and out of relationship Mm -hmm. issues Mm -hmm. because we're all sinful and all the people we know are sinful and we're all at various points of maturity. And I was thinking yesterday, I always try to have some kind of scripture in my mind and it just popped in my mind. Do not return insult for insult. Mm. Basically it talks about giving peace. And I thought, the word just continuously speaks to me because I have a lot of it in there over the years. And I, I thought that is really, you know, blessed are the peacemakers and let your conversation be seasoned with salt and forgive 70 times seven. Mm. And so I kind of have almost like a, a dictionary of God's word that gives me a way forward. Even a fool seems to be wise if he keeps his mouth closed. <laughs> <laughs> Which is and easier so, said than done sometimes. Because uh, I, I was about, I was going to be meeting with this person, and you know, the Lord, the Holy Spirit just said, you know, don't, don't give insult for insult. Forgive seventy times seven. Be a peacemaker. God made us to be people who receive words, who are transformed by words. Words are worlds, mm. and so I have these words that I can either look up on Google or I have them in my mind. And they show me what to do that's wise. And then when I do what it says, make peace, keep my mouth closed, forgive 70 times 7, then I actually watch the person respond instead of me creating more anger. Mm. But those words are there. And I, I that's why I always say to women, even if you just have to use somebody's devotional or, or a simple book or whatever, just every day, in the same way that you eat every day, store up the food of the words that will feed your soul. Wow. And so I really am a person, probably because I'm so helpless, that I need to have words that guide me to know what to do in every situation. I feel like it's the vocabulary of God. Mm-hmm. The word is the vocabulary of God speaking wow. to us. For some reason, I keep thinking the word practice makes progress, not perfection. As you're speaking, because like you said, we are always enduring different seasons of life, hardships, hard relationships, bad things happen, just things, illness. I mean, teenagers, babies, everything (laughs) like there's all fights with our husbands. Like there's always there's always things. I mean, there's always things that come up. And if we're constantly practicing using that vocabulary that we have in our minds, in our hearts, in our hands, whatever we're looking for, we can make progress instead of striving for perfection because none of us will ever reach that and no day will ever be perfect. Right. And, you know, we we grow, we progress, but we'll probably never greatly change. Whatever our personality (laughs) is, you know, we can mature, Mm -hmm. but we're probably going to have the same kind of personality. And I continue to be surprised at how petty I can be, you know, (laughs) when I'm tired or when something happens, you know, sometimes that first thought I have is judgmental. But then I have this defense in my brain that says, watch out, you're going to get yourself in trouble. So, you know, the word of God is is one of the things we talk about in the book that it really manifests itself in your life through wisdom and on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we store up the words of God. 
One thing we see often in the homemaking world is how incredibly impactful the atmosphere is that we Mm -hmm. fill within our homes. However, I think we kind of get caught up in thinking that the atmosphere that we create is by the things we do and the things we fill our homes with, but really giving a heartbeat to our home is so incredibly affected by the words we fill our home with. What compelled y'all to write this book? Well, you know, as we look back, both of us became believers when we were in college. And then we were actually discipled and mentored by people who gave us a real corpus of an understanding of scripture. And we, we realized that a lot of people have never had somebody mentor them and and show them this is how Jesus shaped the hearts and lives of his disciples. And so we created real specific goal. That's why I did the Life-Giving Table book, because we literally had things that we wanted to talk about, put into our children's minds, ideals, virtues every single night. We we had words that we gave them when they went to bed to bless them. We had words when they woke up in the morning. And I think sometimes you think that everybody already knows what you know. Mm-hmm. And then we began to realize that people were looking for what's the right curriculum or book to read or whatever, but they, you made a point of this a minute ago, whatever is in our heart, you know, it's not just about magical words. It's do we have a heart of gentleness and of generosity so that when we give our words to our children, it is served on a plate of unconditional love and acceptance And we look in their little eyes, we put our arms around them, we kiss them, we hug them, that words are delivered and manifested through a heart that is humble and a heart that is gentle. And so it's it's not just words, but it's a heart that desires to encourage and to give life and to really to develop in their minds what their worlds should be biblically. Wow. I'd like for you to kind of maybe unpack the book and explain to our listeners what they'll find in it. Well, I have to say the story of this book was really fun because this doesn't happen with every couple, but because Clay and I are both writers Mm -hmm. and this is my third book that I needed to do with, with one of the publishers I work with. And I thought, I've got to do this book because I already have other book contracts ahead of me. And I had to have a hip surgery just out of the blue. It was just an emergency. And I had to go through all that. And so Clay said, well, I'll write it. And so in Colorado, it's you know high up in the mountains. It's 7,200 feet high. And everybody has these little porches outside called decks. And so we would light our little fireplace and sit outside every night. You know, I had bring me a blanket and help me get on the porch. And we would just talk about what were the stories that you can tell me. And he would take notes about all my stories. Sometimes he recorded me. And Clay is a real biblical scholar. I mean, he he graduated from seminary and is an excellent writer. And I'm the lover of the two of us. In other words, we both love theology and we both love our kids, but he is very theologically correct. So he put a lot in the book theologically of, you know, in Deuteronomy, it says that the the words that I'm giving you today are to be on your heart. Mm-hmm. And then after the parent understands, oh, God's words are supposed to be bubbling around in my heart. And then he says, 
You should say them in the morning and at noon and at night and every time in between, put them on your forehead, put them on your, you know, it, it tells all about. So we wrote about the heart. We also wrote about the theology of words, but then we also wrote categories mm-hmm. of what are the kinds of words that we need to be saying. You know, I think it's, you look at the heart of God and, and God said about Jesus, he pronounced affirmation of him. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so Clay and I thought, oh, well, we should be doing that with our kids. This is my beloved daughter, my beloved son, my beloved children in, in, in whom I'm well pleased. You know, he validated and affirmed. So we would just look at different aspects and of what kind of words do we give? What kind of messages are we passing on? I think that there are many um, compromises of the view of what men and women are, what marriage is, what children are, what, you know, you name it, it it's, a, it's being challenged. And so we want to say words to our children of, I love being a family. And then we love one another in front of them. I love being a, a woman. I, it was amazing being able to give birth to babies. You know, you are just precious to me. And so these words are what shape their imagination of what is the foundation of their world biblically. And I think passivity, a lot of parents believe things, but, but they're passive or they, they say, well, I've just never told my children these things before. And so we wanted to write a book that said, now you really need to tell them because words, Jesus was the message. We are people who learn all about life through words. And so we, we just really, as a part of our discipleship of other parents, wanted to provide some very practical and inspirational ways of reminding them that words are what will shape their children's destiny, their legacy, much more than just activity. Mm-hmm. Can we briefly navigate what this looks like through the different seasons of homemaking? I'm reading this, tears pouring down my face, <laughs> understanding that I have been relatively decent at using good words within my home, if I look at it a whole, right? We all have our ups and downs and moments of good and not good. But part of me also had this like, oh my goodness, did I miss an understanding of how powerful my words were when they were young and have I already missed the boat? And so I'm kind of in this like in-between because my children are still young enough, Mm -hmm. but also getting older. And so... I'm looking at the community that I have, the Homemakers Club, and I know that a large percentage of them are in the thick of motherhood right now. And so I think that this book is going to be incredibly magnificent for a majority of the women in the Homemakers Club, but there are some that are just beginning, and then there Mm -hmm. are some that are empty nesters. And so I'd kind of maybe like to navigate through this just briefly, the different stages and how this applies in those stages and how valuable our words are. I think in the baby phase, words are so important. As a matter of fact, if we read, we all know that children are shaped by the time they're four years old, that you're kind of shaping their vocabulary, their brain, their their virtue, their value, their sense of what family is. But also, it's really interesting, but the more we talk to children, the brighter they become. It's kind of like their brains just soak in words and word concepts. So from the moment we hold a baby, and this is all ideal, none of us have done it perfectly, 
And I've seen God's grace work so much in my past mistakes. I wanted to keep having more kids so I could do it right. But, you know, when we when we receive those babies, we're already kissing them, singing to them. And, you know, we're saying, you are precious to me. I love your big, beautiful brown eyes. I, you know, you your smiles make me happy. Children are learning English the moment they are born <laughs> or, or French or Spanish or whatever right. country you're living in. They're learning that first language from the moment you receive them in your hands. So, you know, we would, we would, I would sing to my children. I would sing hymns. I would say verses sometimes. I would, you know, talk, I would give poetry. And my kids have memorized a lot of poetry. So you're, you're talking, talking, talking. Oh my goodness. Look at that big, white, fluffy cloud. It looks like cotton that, you know, your, your children are just building these amazing roads in their mind pathways where words speak to words when they're little babies and you and kids at, at two three and four years old I'm watching my daughter Sarah who has a now it's a four two and a half almost three and one-year-old and these children can say so many things and sentences and poems and you know they repeat things so you are shaping the way that they believe in relationships my little four-year-old said to me Queenie, I'm Queenie. That's a long story. It's from a, a book. So <laughs> Queenie, let's go be friends and serve me tea again and talk. You know, she already has this concept of me as her friend because I planted it there. So let's go further on. You know, you're manifesting to your children. I believe you have a part in the mega story of God. You know how, whether it's, you know, you're saying Lord of the Rings or whatever you happen to like, Narnia or whatever. You know how all the children were heroes in the tales of Narnia because they had a heart to be courageous? I believe you're going to be courageous in your story someday. I wonder what you're going to play, what role you're going to play in the play of life. Will you be a musician or a psychologist or an artist or a lover or what? I wonder what you're going to play because I think you have a role to play. So, you know, we're giving our children words. We're narrating a story and an imagination to them. We talk to them about the difficulties of life. I think our kids need protection from media. Mm-hmm. But we can still say God wants us to be warriors for light and righteousness. And we read them Pilgrim's Progress and they get an idea. But anyway, I think it's important for us to understand in every stage. Like right now, I have only adult kids. My youngest one is 27. Mm-hmm. And my oldest one is 38. And so, you know, I'm still writing them notes, emails, messages, texting them, I meet with them, I eat with them and talk to them about how proud I am of them or I understand their struggles or I I try to look in the context of their heart and continuously feed them with encouragement. Last night, I was with a a group of women. I just love what I get to do here. I work at a church here in Oxford and one of my groups is mostly women who have children and and have marriage to deal with and, and jobs to deal with. And then my other group is all single women, PhD students. And they're both the same. My PhD students, I just love working with them because I know that when they leave here, I want to have implanted the words of the love of God for them, the steadfastness of God, the virtue of God. I mean, words are for children, husbands, friends, ministry. You know, once we understand that words are the tools that God gave to us, the weapons also, where we can forge 
a sense of encouragement and affirmation. We can't always make people accept our words. You know, children go through different seasons when they're older. They have to own their own muscle, Mm -hmm. so to speak, their own spiritual muscle. But if you've given them those words and those concepts, they're still speaking to them their whole lives. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he's going to have all this stuff in his brain. Mm. That's that's the seasons. Is that good? Yeah, that was perfect. So I did do a little question box on the Homemakers Club Instagram. And so do you mind? I'm going to ask you a few of these questions that go through the seasons. And then maybe you could just give briefly an explanation. Um, These are directly from the ladies of the Homemakers Club. So how do you use your words to nurture in yourself and your family a sense of celebration? I think if that's one of your goals, if that's one of the grids through which you want to see life, mm-hmm. if you want to be more of, you know, I'm going to use a metaphor here, like more like sunshine mm-hmm. or light yeah. than darkness, then you're going to seek out to give messages of, you know, for instance, you, when you walk outside, we have these canals here. It's right along the river. It's not too far from the river. And, um, and so we're constantly saying, oh, my goodness, look at those swans. Did you know that all the swans belong to the monarchy? And Lillian, again, my four-year-old comes, and we go on walks, and and she says, look at look at the red leaves. Those are my favorite ones. I don't like the green ones. <laughs> um, I did have a blog that was called I Take Joy. Mm-hmm. And so it was my goal. We have a lot of dark things in our lives. I mean, by that, people who are very broken, mentally ill, difficult, challenging, and we've finally figured out these things were never going to change ever. And so I thought, I want to leave a legacy of light and goodness and hope. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking for opportunities to validate the hope and the goodness and the light and the promise that God has given us that he, he's going to redeem everything in our lives. So it's, it's, you set the grid and then you begin practically finding ways to affirm that. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you keep kind words in the forefront when we are personally deep in the trenches and exhausted? Because that can be really hard. And I know it's a muscle that I've had to learn how to flex is like actively seek joy to fill and like restore my heart so I can fill my home with a better atmosphere. But if I'm unhappy or if I'm in a hard season, just personally, it's really hard to use positive, even Mm -hmm. to find good actually. Well, I think that's why I still love teaching Bible studies and groups. We need friends. We need people who are going through what we're going through. We need to not be alone we need people to actually affirm us and say, I remember I, I used to think, oh, I don't want to go to this mom's night out. I had started this group and then as a part of it, it was an educational co-op. And as a part of it, we had mom's nights out and I'd think I'm too tired to go. I've had a terrible day, but we would go to it. And I mean, I would go to it because I had to. And <laughs> women would say, oh my goodness, my child, you know, broke a, broke a dish and then the other one spilled their, you know, their juice. And then the other one just cried for an hour and a half and it was a messy day and I was tired and exhausted. And, and then everybody else would say, you too, me too. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, it was the, the words, our stories encouraged one another. And sometimes I would leave and go home and I would think, 
well, my day wasn't that bad. You know, we, we need fellowship. We need relationships with people who can love us and affirm us and have sympathy for us and pray for us. You know, you're giving out all the time. And eventually, you know, if you would think of pouring out a pitcher of water, if it's, if it's empty, there's nothing else in there to give. Mm. And I think that one of the most important things is for moms, whether it's listening to podcasts, reading a book, meeting with a friend for coffee. I have a friend that every week she and I both work, we're at different stages now. She's still at a younger stage than me, but she helps me teach my Bible study. She comes up from London and helps me run this group that I have. And then she spends the night with me and we go on an adventure every single Tuesday. And it's so much fun. We giggle and laugh. We always eat something wonderful. Mm -hmm. And then by noon, she's gone and we both have to get back to our lives again. But it is an anchor in my day. We laugh at each other. She said, I don't think people think of you as a real human being. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, well, that's interesting. And she said, but we both laugh all the time that we're together. We giggle. We make mistakes. We we talk about, you know, all the things. But that Filling up is necessary for me because people are draining me on a constant basis mm -hmm. every day, all the time. Mm -hmm. And I know you have to, you can't just say joyful things out of a totally empty, exhausted, vacuous heart. Mm -hmm. You have to fill it back up. Mm -hmm. How do you stay calm in stressful moments? I'm a real planner. I mean, I'm a real journal person. I have to pray about my goals and I have to put a verse down and I have to write it out. And the more specific I am with the ways I'm moving forward, mm -hmm. or if I have verses, a gentle answer turns away wrath, let your conversation be seasoned with salt. The more, even if I have one verse, even if I have one piece of wisdom to go to, and if I write down this year, I want to do better at giving my children a legacy of godly words. If I write it down, if I pray about it and give it to God, then I'm going to grow and do better and become more effective in that area. Every goal that is important to us, we put more energy into. So you have to write it down as a goal and you have to think about what that means. And you have to put your finger on, you know, the things you should never say. Mm -hmm. You should never say, I wish you'd never been born. Right. You should never. And, and if you have said it, apologize. Yeah. How do you apologize. mend from that? Yeah. Apologies are so important. And I think one of the verses for myself a few years ago was Jesus said, I am humble and meek. Learn from me. It's the only time he ever said, learn from me. And so I, I had to realize that it costs me nothing to say, I'm sorry. It costs me nothing to say, I was really out of sorts. And I'm so sorry. I was just so tired. Will you forgive me? Those are also very important words. I was just thinking that, that the grace and the humility that comes from a genuinely apologetic heart is a whole nother level of lesson learned that we can impart on our children. It is. And, you know, they need to know that they will never be perfect either. Mm -hmm. I'll never be perfect. They'll never be perfect. The give and take and growing in relationships is normal for everyone. And they will feel less guilt if you don't pretend that they have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. 
I like how you were talking about writing down scripture or other means of inspiration for us to reflect on, almost like a treasury of good. It reminds me, and you also quoted it in your book, Luke 6.45, which says a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So the more, like you're saying, filling the watering can, my grandmother will say things like you can't water a garden from an empty well. Right. The more that we give ourselves to store up in that treasury, the easier it is for us to reflect back on, I think, in hard moments and catch ourselves because we have it accessible because we've done the due diligence of, of memorizing scripture, writing it down, calling up a friend who's going to speak good into our hearts in those moments, walking away. What is the impact between just biting our tongues to prevent the bad and actually speaking good into our homes? We teach our children, if you have nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. Do you find that useful? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I just, I tell my children, you don't have to say everything that comes to mind. (laughs) Right. You You really don't. Yeah, I think that, there's a, uh, you know, there's a balance. Some children talk too much. And how many of us, all of us, have regrets for what we did say? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it, even in my journal, I've written down the, the things I'm going to try not to, you know, the things that will harm them. The thing that I learned with my children is that sometimes, especially when they were a kind of like middle school and teenagers, I had a lot of them at once. <laughs> and then I had a, a toddler at the same time. And I used to just, I didn't necessarily tell him how I was feeling. I would just use self-control and not tell him. Mm -hmm. And I used to think, oh, they're going to know that I wasn't feeling very loving. And they're going to know that I was really dragging my feet. And I thought, I'm not going to make it through this day. But I didn't say that. And I didn't act out. And I look back now and I think, kids are also so self-centered that they, they don't necessarily know that you're as exhausted as you are. You know, and so you don't have to regret every thought that you have. Mm -hmm. You just have to take it captive and don't say it. (laughs) That's good. Why? So looking at your kind of the whole story and what you've shared in your book and you and Clay really taking the time to reflect on what your words mean within your home. It sounds like from really an early stage in your marriage and relationship and all the way through parenting and ongoing conversation. What would you say to someone who's just starting to understand the atmosphere that is filled within their homes through their words? They're wanting to do this, whether they're in the middle, in the thick of it, the beginning, whatever. What if their spouse doesn't understand the value of their words? I think that I learned early that I wasn't I wasn't responsible for what Clay did. I was responsible for what I did mm-hmm. because we both came from very different kinds of families and he's an extreme introvert and I'm much more, oh, I love you. Come here, honey. Let me, you know, and Clay is much more non-emotional. You know, he's, he's rational and he, he did his own portion of giving words. We gave different kinds of words, but it really helped me to realize that I was not his Holy Spirit and that I wasn't responsible for him. I, I couldn't change him. Only God could do that. 
but that I could give everything I had to give. And that's what God wanted me to do. And I think there's an illusion that women have that other people's husbands are more perfect than theirs are, or that other women are more perfect, or their their house is more perfect. No, we're all in process, mm -hmm. but it's really good for us to understand these concepts and to grow day by day, little by little, step by step in maturity in the direction of wisdom, and then wisdom will have good effects. Wow, that's a really, I think a lot of women are going to take a lot of wisdom from what you just said and feel at rest and at peace and encouraged by that. Because I think a lot of times we, we want a certain experience within our homes. And if it doesn't match up to it, everyone isn't playing the part in what we think would be a beautiful, right. fruitful home. We see it as a failure or, well, if he was doing this or if they were doing this or if I was better at this, my home yeah. would be more whatever image we create in our heads based on well, what we see other women doing, maybe. Yeah, we can really, I mean, we all have sinful, messy children. And then I'm sinful and Clay's sinful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I had a, a child that argued probably... 100%, but I'll say 90% of every single meal we ever had. And yet I was always trying to orchestrate it in such a way. And, you know, number one, it, it made some of my kids a little bit tougher. You know, they learned how to deal with a, a sibling that, that had some issues in that area. But number two, it helped the one who was that way. You know, no, it's not acceptable. Look at my eyes. What do our 24 family ways say? You know, I used to worry, how could my kids ever be okay if they grew up in my family? And somehow, by God's grace, they're okay. Mm -hmm. And they're still flawed, just like their mom and dad. But I think that just keep investing in the treasure, the gold that God tells us to to invest in. Mm -hmm. and, and little by little, they become more than we could imagine because we, we give our fish and loaves, but God makes what we give to him more than what we could have accomplished ourselves. I don't give up. That. I love don't, that. Don't, don't self-condemn. You know, self-condemnation is a poison. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. <laughs> I love that. I read somewhere in short that ministry is loving the person in front of you. How mm -hmm. have you seen the practice of healthy internal dialogue directly affect the way your interactions with those entrusted in your care? You know, I think that one of the basic focuses of my life is that I do things not because people deserve it, mm -hmm. but I do things because that's what it looks like to worship God. In, in other words, I'm kind to my husband because God said that if you worship me, then I want you to give love to other people because that's what Jesus did. And so I kind of developed a grid of probably every person I know needs encouragement. And my kids laugh at me, but they said, wherever, you know, you talk to everyone. And if it's the, the, the cheese, the cheese owner, we have this cheese store, or if it's this woman that works with me here who can barely speak English, if it's, you know, one of the women or men that I, all these very young people that are in my life that are studying, doing their master's and PhD degrees here. I just feel like the more I've realized that everyone has a context, that when I go toward them with love and acceptance, not judgment, people have opened up more. And I've been able to see that I can develop friendships and eventually have people in my house for a meal 
And then sometimes we've been able to turn that into invite them to church. And yeah, and plus, if I tell my children I want to have an impact on the world, then I need to have an impact on the world. <laughs> even taking someone cookies, even visiting someone in the hospital, you know, those are the ways that my children learn that what I say and what I do are consistent. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting teary-eyed listening to this because... I think that so many people, especially today, are incredibly homesick and um, in doing those things and modeling that for our children is going to change the course of the world. And, And then verbalizing with our words, like you're saying, I do things often with my children. I go above and beyond to be nice and friendly to everyone. And then I talk to my children about that. I'm like, oh my gosh, wasn't that guy so wonderful? I think we really blessed his life. Let's do this because of this. I I just feel so passionate about carrying home with us, loving others well, because I am incredibly keenly aware of how homesick our communities and our societies are, and then using our words. You talk so much about giving our words, explaining the why behind our action is life-changing. I love your heart in that. A couple weeks ago, I was walking with my daughter, Sarah. We we don't have cars. Her husband has one car. But we were walking down the street, and she said, I am so tired that just people being on on the sidewalk are irritating me. And she said, I know, she said, I know it's just because I'm so exhausted and I haven't slept in a week, at which point we came upon a homeless man who looked very sad and was sitting on the ground and he was going through a, a, he had a rosary in his hand. And so she said, we need to go get him a cup of tea or coffee or something. And so we did. And then she let my little four-year-old give it to him. I said, what in the world? I said, you were so down and exhausted and said, you know, And she said, well, I just read to my kids this morning, the Good Samaritan. And she said, it was like the Holy Spirit said, you can't read that story and tell your children that we need to have compassion on people and then be walking by this very sad man without giving something to him. Mm -hmm. And so I think that often we are tired, but it really touched me that she had captured that if she says it in a devotional, then she needs to enact it Mm -hmm. as we're walking tiredly down the street to somebody who really responded and told us his story. And it was really sad. And he was so glad to have someone talk to him. And, but it's that it's, it's reading the word and the stories. And then as we go, we'll find people that need our compassion and our children will notice. Mm -hmm. Before we wrap this, I miss Sally, I'd love for you to maybe give whether it's scripture or just encouragement you have on your heart for the people listening today that are either just understanding how incredibly impactful the the words that they say matter, that home matters, reaching into that treasury and then putting it into action. Like you're saying with your daughter, she was having a, a rough day and a rough week and she remembered something she had read to her children and it caused her to act upon it. I'm, a lot of people could read this book or hear this conversation. Where do I begin? Is it too late? What encouragement could you impart on that to cause action? Right. It's, it's never too late. And what I feel like is going to happen is a lot of people are going to feel guilty and, 
inadequate because they're all tired and they're all they've been giving for a long time and I think if you were sitting right here next to me with my little teacup which you know I just had a cup of tea with Yes, you ma'am. <laughs> I would just say you are beloved you are precious you have a capacity to renew your heart what you're doing matters you deserve to be taken care of I think many people have not ever heard positive words as a matter of fact they have a legacy of bad words in their minds And I would say, don't believe the the narrative that you aren't worth something. You are worth a great deal. God shaped you with his hand. He loves you with his heart. And so the thing I really want women to understand is you are beautiful. You are loving. Go from this moment believing that because it's a pretty hard place that all of you are. I'm amazed at all the things that all my sweet mama friends do and homemakers do. And I think it's so important for us to believe in the words of God's love for us and to move from that point. All of us fail, but you are very precious. That was beautiful. If I could encourage any homemakers, it would be definitely to get their hands on this book that you and your husband wrote. I love that you shared the story of how it was written with us. I think it will be so enriching to add this into the treasury that we keep talking about where they you, you quote scripture there's facts there's encouragement there's how to do it the power of different words it's it's treasury building it's beautiful i encourage women to do that and then one scripture that i have found personal gain in and one that i turn to often is in philippians 4 i'll just read the last little bit of it but it says fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise and that's something that when i'm struggling I go to read that's one of the first things that I reach in my treasury for and I just hyper focus on the good that I can see whether it's a light shining through the window or bake some cookies or light the candle start somewhere to start filling that heart and back up that's beautiful that's so true that's so true well Miss Sally thank you so much for joining me and imparting your wisdom on all of us again it's just always such an honor and joy and my heart's been filled by this conversation. So thank you. Oh, me too. I just love being with you. And thank you so much for giving me your words, for encouraging <laughs> me. I'll, I'm going to take that to dinner with me tonight. Thank you, Miss Sally. Thank y'all for being here and for the work you are doing within your homes and sharing home with the world. I believe with my whole heart that every day, the more we share home and the art of homemaking, we are upholding the way in which home was intended to be productive, fruitful, and beautiful. Though your days may seem ordinary, little by little, you are building something quite extraordinary. Keep up the good work, my friends. If you haven't already, I encourage you to join our sisterhood on Instagram at We Are The Homemakers for daily encouragement and fellowship. And of course, subscribe here as well. We Are The Homemakers Gathered For Good. See y'all next week. 